and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 28th episode of the podcast for the week of November 5th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astral report, along with a few tarot polls and our Animal Ambassador of the Week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome back a good friend of mine, San Diego-based professional astrologer and clairvoyant, James David Wade. Uh, and we will be discussing Jupiter in Sagittarius. Hot topic. Uh, So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in the balancing energy of Libra as she wanes her way down to a minuscule sliver of a moon. On Tuesday, she slides into the deep waters of Scorpio and heads to her new moon conjunction, which will take place on Wednesday. She then begins to wax forward, heading into the ideological fires of Sagittarius on Thursday, where she will remain until moving into grounding Earth energies of Capricorn later in the day on Saturday, and where she will hang out for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours. If you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to each other, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, friends, you know, this week we are witnessing big shifts in the planetary alignments. Jupiter officially moves into Sagittarius, Uranus heads back into Aries, and the lunar nodes shift to the Cancer-Capricorn axis after an 18-month stay in Leo and Aquarius. We are likely to feel the shifts in many ways, almost standing in between two worlds as the energy gets settled. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Libra, and she will make a square to Pluto and then a trine to Mars. Uh, And a significant aspect going on that day is that we will have the sun making a trine to Neptune, uh, who's currently retrograde. Uh, And so what does that mean? Well, our sun is our life force, our vitality, uh, our conscious awareness. Uh, It's when we turn a page when we have sun transits. And a trine is flowing and sudden and things rapidly develop and all obstacles are removed and just things just go. Uh, Well, what is going? (laughs) Well, that's Neptune. 
Neptune. And Neptune is a tricky planet. It can uh, it itself removes all boundaries. Uh, it can be associated with things such as confusion or loss or dissolving something. But it's also spiritual inspiration and glamour and spectacle. Um, so as the moon is waning down in her light and entering into a more dreamy chapter of her cycle's story, a flowing trine from the sun in Scorpio to Neptune in Pisces will allow us to tune into spirit's directive to have a listen. This mystical element may have been at play since late last week as the sun was moving into the orb of Neptune, uh, having us visit our ideals and emotionally romancing the ideas we have for the future and the changes that are taking place within us. Life might look a little softer right now, as if a Gaussian blur has been applied to our vision, pointing out you know, pointing us in the direction of what's beautiful, what's glamorous, what's otherworldly. And this can be a time of sacrifice as well, as we become consciously aware of what is in need of disillusion in our lives, making it easier to release and go with the flow. So know that sensitivity will be up at this time and our ESP will be heightened. So tune in and see what is ready for download at this time. And so the bottom line for Monday is, is that as the moon wanes down to a crescent and the sun configures to Neptune, this is likely a day of lower physical vitality, but an activated mental capacity. The Libra moon will have us focusing on beautifying and balancing our lives with matters of relationships permeating our awareness. Luna square to Pluto earlier on in the day will have us working through some intensity in regards to what is shifting into greater integrity. And if changes need to be made, that trine to Mars can allow us to communicate what needs to be cut. Now, on Tuesday, we have the moon now in Scorpio, uh, and we'll make a really early conjunction to Venus, uh, early opposition to Uranus, and then a sextile to Saturn during the day. And this is a significant day here in the U.S., as this is our election day, a day that many of us have been waiting for uh, and that the news has been talking about since probably the election in 2016. Uh, So here we are, and the moon is in Scorpio in an intense placement. And what else is going on? Well, Uranus is retrograding back into Aries this day, and the nodes are officially shifting into Cancer and Capricorn. Uh, So these are two big shifts going on. Um, And it's not the only shifts this week, as I'll get into here shortly. But uh, it's really significant for a significant day here for uh, the U.S., So now as far as Uranus retrograding back into Aries is concerned, um, so it's been nearly six months of Uranus testing out the fresh transit territory of Taurus, uh, and the Great Awakener will now retrograde back into the sign of the warrior to wrap up the last eight years of his Aries transit. I know it's been a long time. (laughs) Um, So this area of your personal chart will get revitalized to awaken and liberate any energies that are left stuck calling upon our courage and self-leadership to raise our vibrations further by following the instinctual breadcrumbs that arise from within. And this will be especially potent for those with late-degree personal planets or your ascendant or your midheaven uh, in cardinal signs, um, which are Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn. 
So some unexpected scenarios may still pop up in this realm, as this is the nature of Uranus. Yet I think much of what we are freeing ourselves from, our consciousness has already been aware of, making this next four months the time to nip things in the bud. So take the initiative to wake your life up before it wakes you. Follow your instincts and pioneer the next stage to come. As Uranus will uh, be in the territory of Aries um, from... November 6th to uh, March 6th of 2019. Now, as far as the nodes, uh, the lunar node shifting into Cancer and Capricorn, uh, which is an 18-month cycle. Um, Now, I anticipate doing a whole segment here shortly on the shifting of the nodes, because this is big news. Yet with many major dynamics in the skies right now, bear with me as I get to that more in-depth treatment of this important shift of energy, Uh, because the transit will be taking place for the next 18 months, uh, so we do have some time with it. Now, on a mundane level, this axis is very important as it shifts societal trends that the collective psyche is to work with. And so we've been moving through Leo and Aquarius since May of 2017, focusing on themes such as following our hearts versus what society expects of us, developing self-love in the face of trauma or past traumas. Uh, embracing personal authenticity over collective conformity, uh, et cetera, and so on. Now, with Cancer and Capricorn, we switch to embracing more nurturing themes, familial themes, getting to our roots. Um, For now that we have followed that heart's directive, we need to, you know, we're tasked in finding that home for that self now. And so Uranus, who I just spoke of, will actually follow the nodes in a T-square formation, stimulating and awakening these themes until next spring. So stay tuned as more on this will be coming shortly. And so the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that this is bound to be a rather intense day as the moon is in Scorpio and we have our election here in the U.S., Scorpio is known for its passionate tendencies, and we are likely to be emotionally edgy in some way, particularly earlier in the day when the moon opposes Uranus. Um, But luckily, an opportunistic connection to Saturn helps us to ground the emotions and go about our duties, such as getting to the polls and voting. And so the energy is wrapping up for tomorrow's new moon. So wind down in the evening, go within, and hone in on the intentions you'd like to set. Now, on Wednesday, we officially have our new moon in Scorpio, which will be taking place here at 8.02 a.m. on the Pacific Coast. And uh, Luna will be trining Neptune. We'll make that conjunction to the sun, which is our new moon. And then a sextile to Pluto later in the day. And so uh, let me give you a little brief synopsis for this new moon in Scorpio. And do keep in mind that I post a thorough treatment on my uh, astro blog, energeticprinciples.com. And I also have moon horoscopes that I do as a tier on my Patreon page. So if you would like to support the podcast in that way, you can sign up to get those moon horoscopes and get early access to the podcast. All right, so we're having a new moon at 15 degrees and 11 minutes of Scorpio. And so having a new moon in the transformative, change-inducing waters of Scorpio the day after the election kind of seems rather fitting. And with Jupiter trining the North Node at 29 degrees of Cancer and Scorpio, this is certainly a flowing shift that honors the emotional journey of the whole Jupiter and Scorpio experience that has been taking place since October 2017. 
This is a wonderful manifesting new moon through the vehicle of decay and release, letting go of past experiences in order to align with the current desires and then, you know, project that into being. This can be a time of new beginnings where we merge with others to combine resources or share an intimacy. As Venus retrograde will be making a flowing connection with Mars, who is the ruler of this new moon signature. It's been a hot second since these two have had a sweet alignment, which I'll discuss here shortly, um, allowing our individual desires to be honored within union. So set your course, plant your seeds, and wait for this moon's harvest to show itself in early May of 2019. Now, the bottom line for Wednesday is that energy starts fresh as if we are wading in new waters, with most of the day having a quiet intensity to it. Luna will make a sextile to Pluto, which gives us the opportunity to emotionally purify and align with the earthly changes that are taking place. If you need to let out uh, a feeling of some sort, let it out. Blow it a kiss and ground your energy to find your center. As this is a powerful intention-setting time, uh, you're going to want to make sure you are positioning yourself to hold space for a positive future. Now, on Thursday, uh, we have the moon in Scorpio, and she will move into Sagittarius about midday. And along the way, she'll make a square to Mars super early in the morning and then make a conjunction to Jupiter, which is very interesting because Jupiter enters Sagittarius officially on Thursday. Hurrah! (laughs) Um, Now, Jupiter will be in Sagittarius from uh, Thursday, November 8th until December 2nd of 2019. And so stay tuned as James and I go into great detail later in the broadcast. And we talked so much about it. We went kind of (laughs) long. But I think it would be pretty redundant for me to go over it here. So just hold tight, and we uh, will discuss that um, Sagittarius Jupiter here shortly. And so the bottom line for Thursday is we have a two-part day where the energy lifts from deep emotions of Scorpio and into the buoyant enthusiasm of Sagittarius. It may feel as if a weight lifts, particularly as Jupiter moves into Sag, and then Luna makes a conjunction with the benefic planet just a few hours later, igniting the first emotional alignment with the beginning of the year-long Jupiter cycle that is now underway. A new philosophy on life may be born in this moment, and there's likely to be more positivity in the air and the desire to run free and explore new experiences. And I will make a note that when Jupiter moved into, uh, excuse me, Scorpio last year, we saw activity at the very first day, like zero degrees. So do not be surprised if we see themes come out at this time um, that are kind of foreshadowing and forecasting what we will be seeing with this Jupiter uh, in Sagittarius transit. So pay attention. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Sagittarius. I uh, will make a conjunction to Mercury and then a square to Neptune. And so, of note, we have uh, Venus, who's retrograde currently, uh, will be making a trine to Mars. Um, and so, Venus uh, is, and she's in retrograde, so we're kind of, this is a little bit more of an internal process, or dealing with the past, or reassessing things. Um, and so, what are, we, uh, what are we looking at here? Well, Venus has to do with relationships, relations in general, um, what we value, uh, what we hold as our worth. Um, how we cultivate balance and harmony in our lives and what it is we open up to. And so a trine, once again, that is flowing, rapid development. Um, And 
Uh, where are we developing towards? Well, that Mars is all about our focused action, our drive, what we're motivated to- towards, our level of potency. Um, and, you know, usually anger, but I think with a trine with Venus, maybe hopefully that softens that a bit. Um, so Venus cruising along in her retrograde cycle and now in her domicile of Libra, she moved in there last week, finally gets a harmonious aspect with her counterpart Mars in Aquarius. Harmony is flowing on an internal level in relation to our recent actions and communications within partnership, personal self-worth, and the ability to open up to new scenarios and gifts that life can bring. This is likely to be a great day for socializing, particularly with those from our past, and we can enjoy each other's company while sharing our thoughts with one another. Our feminine nature is in alignment with our masculine nature, making this a day of wholeness and greater balance particularly on the inside. And so the bottom line for Friday is, is that we may have a day of Friday-itis, as the moon in Sagittarius, uh, square Neptune in Pisces, may have us daydreaming and romancing of better things to come. There's the potential for hazy understanding with our rose-colored glasses tinting our version of reality. Yet with the Venus-Mars trine, we are likely to be willing to go along with that flow, following the more romantic and idealistic side of life. Open up and see where it takes you, knowing that the grain of salt, otherwise known as the moon in Capricorn, will be just around the corner. So now on Saturday, the moon is uh, still in Sagittarius, but she will move into Capricorn later in the day. And along the way, she'll make a sextile to Venus retrograde, uh, a sextile to Mars, and then a trine to Uranus. And we don't have any aspects going on, you know, that day. We're feeling a lot of the aspects of the week. They all blend together, but there's no precise aspects on Saturday. But the bottom line is that most of the day will be spent uh, still in the wide expanses of Sagittarius, with Luna making harmonious alignments with Venus uh, and Mars. Uh, in that trine that happened the day before. So chances are we may be feeling that energy today as well. A trine to Uranus later in the evening may inspire us to go out and introduce something new and different to our world, possibly meeting new people along the way. So get out and mingle. Once the moon moves into Capricorn, the energy will settle and ground us back down to Earth. Now, on Sunday, the moon is officially in Capricorn, uh, and she will make a conjunction with Saturn and then a sextile to Neptune. And so we do have an aspect uh, perfecting that day, and that is the sun who will be making a sextile to Pluto. And so once again, that sun is our life force, our vitality. We're turning a page here. We're getting aware of something. Um, And the sextile creates opportunities in our life. It opens a door we can walk through, but we have to make that conscious choice to do so. And so what door are we walking towards? Well, a Plutonian one, (laughs) which uh, has to do with change, you know, purifying our life in some way or transforming it um, and dealing with more instinctual awareness and emotions. And so, you know, we now have the opportunity to make creative changes in our lives as the sun illuminates what lives below and is in need of transformation. That can be as complex as shifting our life story or as mundane as taking the time to clean up your home and your immediate environment. This is a great day to shine the light on whatever is in need of purification as the door is now open to do so. By taking advantage of this time, you can solidify and strengthen your foundation especially with the moon conjunct Saturn. And so the bottom line for Sunday is that 
with the moon in Capricorn, and we're starting the day with that conjunction to Saturn, this is a time that we can tackle the harder to-dos on our list and get things done. Organizing and planning will be beneficial earlier on in the day um, because we can focus on the more mundane aspects of life. Tackle those chores or take on that heavy project that you've been meaning to do for some time, you know, because we just had a new moon so we can start things here. And just use the energy in a practical way because that's what Capricorn likes. And as Luna approaches a sextile with dreamy Neptune uh, later in the day, you know, once that work is done, we can truly relax and escape into whatever suits our fancy. And so to wrap it all up for this week, this is certainly an impactful week as there are many significant planetary switches taking place. The new moon in Scorpio allows us to truly start anew, and Jupiter's ingress into Sagittarius sparks the fire for what is next. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add an extra, you know, element or dimension to our forecast here. And so this week I drew the King of Wands as the focus and the Fool as the grounding. And so with the King of Wands as the focus, we are stepping into greater authority and leadership of our lives this week, organizing our aspirations and using our internal fires to get ahead. Effectively managing your goals and creative projects may be key at this time in order to see success. This card also embodies a lot of strong will within it, along with the potential to be rather quick to anger or to make judgments, especially if others do not measure up to our high standards. And, you know, as we have that spark of fire igniting with the move of Jupiter into Sagittarius and the moon being in Sagittarius this week, it's a potentially active week within the framework of our society. And it may behoove you and me and just about everyone to mature this energy as much as possible. Now, with the Fool as the grounding, a lot of the activity this week is grounded in new beginnings and moving forward off of instinct. We may not know exactly where this is headed, yet if we trust the process and know that this is just the start, we can move forward with our ideals as a guidepost. Take caution in the potential of being overly naive or careless in a situation, though, as this is a potential manifestation for this card. So look where you're going and know that sureness, you know, being sure of something is not always guaranteed. Now, last but not least, certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the raccoon. Our dear masked friend is asking that we use our resourcefulness this week, as we have all the tools we need in order to proceed along the path we are headed. A lot of times, the affectionately named trash panda can show up when we think we don't have enough of something in order to get started or progress along our desired trajectory. Yet we really have all that we need if we get clever, follow our hunches, and trust that the resources will turn up when we need them most. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and, you know, how it interacts with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. It doesn't matter if you are just starting out or you've been doing this for years. Uh, it can be immense help because I pair the astrological transits with purposeful card placements so you can see how the transits interact with you uh, through the tarot. And it's a great way to learn. So if you want to learn tarot, um, this is a fabulous way to do it. 
And so I also share a crystal uh, and an inspirational quote to get you thinking in the week. Um, And last week, we worked on seeing into the future since we had that Mercury-Jupiter conjunction. Uh, But this week, we're going to be working on new moon aspirations as we've got a lot to consider uh, as we plant our seeds this week. So if you want to find out more and check out a freebie spread, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome this week's guest. We have James David Wade here with us. It's nice to have you, James. Oh, back on the podcast. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> uh, James has been on before in my in when I first started in my early days, we had a little park session. Um, what, what were we talking about? I can't even um, remember now. We, we were speaking about um, Uranus's ingre- ingress into Taurus. Oh, we were. Well, that is one of the things we were talking about. I remember that. Um, totally different pod. Different, different setup now. <laughs> We're live in the studio doing our thing. Um, but I'm so happy to have James back with me because uh, we are going to be talking about Jupiter entering into Sagittarius, which is big news in the astro world. Um, and I think James is just perfect for it because we have this Pisces sun and a Sagittarius rising, which are both ruled by Jupiter. So if someone knows Jupiter, it's going to be James. <laughs> Um, But before we get started here, uh, tell everybody a a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, I am a uh, professional astrologer, uh, and I also do, I do a lot of uh, personal development work with people and helping them to change their perspectives about life so that they can have different experiences and to, I guess, learn how to see life in a more positive and um, beneficial way, which I would say is very much related to even um, Jupiter, for example, in the sense that Jupiter is considered the uh, great benefic, right? So yeah. um, I really, I really want my, my goal to be to help people to see that in the end, it's all good because in the end, um, everything does have its essential sense of purpose. Yes. And I think that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about. To some extent, there's like this, uh, this very sad <laughs> domain, you know, purposeful, uh, philosophical, uh, I, cause when I think of James, I think of, I think of a modern day philosopher, essentially, uh, he's blushing right now. So, you know, <laughs> he's just looking at me like, Oh God. Um, but it's so true. It's it, the things that come out of his mouth, um, will maze you at times. <laughs> it really amazes me. Um, so I'm excited that we get to talk about Jupiter entering in Sagittarius, uh, today, which, um, is happening this week. We're recording, we're actually recording this on uh, Halloween, recording this a little bit early, but uh, this will be happening on November 8th is when Jupiter will officially move into Sagittarius after a a very eventful stay in Scorpio, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that was, that was actually, um, I remember I either wrote about this or talked about it um, when it was happening, and I was speaking to a friend about how I was considering Jupiter's uh, time in Scorpio and what that would look like. And I just knew that it was going to be involving like the idea of, um, you know, things that were kept hidden coming out into the light and uh, Jupiter being sort of like, you know, going into like an old musty like cabinet in, in a, in a bathroom and like 
cleaning it out and spraying it down with like some bleach and stuff. (laughs) And I feel like that's what this whole transit's been like in the sense that Jupiter is just like, we got to take care of this. We got to like expose, like we got to get some fresh air and some sunshine in here and like get get all of the the dank out of wherever this is coming from. Yeah. And first thing that happened right when Jupiter ingressed into Scorpio was that whole Harvey Weinstein thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it just didn't even surprise me because I just knew that that was going to be the kind of thing that was going to be coming up for us uh, with this transit. And I think that the significations for Jupiter in Sagittarius are going to be pretty predictable as well um, because it just is. It's easy to see these things, right? Whenever you know what they signify. Fine, yeah. Right. And yeah, it was like clockwork with Jupiter oh, and Scorpio. Yeah. Like it could have been better, you know, timed. It was it was there, it was yeah. ready to happen. And you know, the the dank and the gunk that we're talking about, you know, Scorpio holds all a lot of that. So because you know, Jupiter's main motivation for the most part is to grow and expand in some way. And a lot of times that's not always an easy progress or, or process to do. Um, and we have to do things like that. That's why Jupiter and Scorpio can be you know, could have been challenging in many ways because, you know, growth came out of it, but it was a very well emergent, right. you know, type of process. Well, and that's what that's what Jupiter really is, though, is this idea of progress, mm-hmm. right? It's not just expansion. I think that I think that, that word is is used um in incorrectly in some ways because people think of expansion and they just think of like this sudden, like expansive experience. But oftentimes I think that what Jupiter represents is slow and steady progress or or any any type of uh, momentous event that pushes moves us forward some and that it's pushing the boundaries further and further out from where we were and so it's helping us to become more progressive mm-hmm. in how we view the world and how we conceptualize our existence and so um, of course Jupiter it can be expansive in the sense of you need an extra belt loop now. Well, that's why I was know? laughing. The, so. I am speaking from a fir, uh, first house transit that just happened, and I will say I have gained. <laughs> right. <laughs> like 10 to 15 pounds. I didn't even notice. Oh, so I love you. Carry Thank it you. Well. I love you. <laughs> um, I hide it well. Um, but yes, I guess that's where the expansion comes in and on the on the belt belt loops. Um, I think you're absolutely right about that. But progress, it's true, and progress looks different. In, in many ways and in many signs. That's kind of what we're talking about here today is how, where's that progress now going? So we spent all this time in Scorpio right. and now we're going to Sagittarius. So, I mean, being a Sagittarius rising, what, uh, give us some qualities of Sagittarius. Well, um, you know, and I mean, I think that Sagittarius is, like you said, very philosophical, but it's also very ideological Uh, Sagittarius can be very passionate, um, especially about the things that they believe to be true. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the key key themes for Sagittarius in general is, um, you know, this is this is right because this is what I believe or this is, you know, my truth. And so, therefore, it's right. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, I know that uh, with the, this whole transit, we're going to be experiencing quite a lot of that ideological, you know, intensity in which people are, are probably going to be inclined to um, go down with the ship. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, That's, it's yes. like I, I'm going to, you know, stand my ground and I'm not going to budge and this is my truth and I don't care what you think and... I mean, obviously, like, I mean, it's so exhausting to even talk about the the president of the United States, so I'm not even going to really go there. 
But um, you can see this with like the United States and everything that's happening here with our government and the ideologues that we have surrounding us. And um, there's intensity on both sides, though. It's not just like the far right. It's also the far left, you know. And so I think that we're going to see even more of those extremes coming about from that perspective. But at the same time, I feel like that's really good because um, eventually if we go to extremes, it's going to lead to some type of balancing. Because if you go too extreme on both sides, then eventually the only place that's really left to thrive is going to be the middle. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I feel like it's going to give us some sort of like balance that, you know, that comes about through it. Hopefully Mm. I hope that it doesn't, you know, require us to experience some of the things that we've seen in, in human history so far with, with extremist movements. But I feel like that kind of is one of the shadow aspects of Sagittarius is that extreme ideological adherence, like, you know, my way or or nothing or the highway, right? So it's like, mm, there, there's really a, a better way. And the better way is saying, oh, okay, that's great. You're passionate about your truth. And I am too. Well, we can both harmoniously be passionate about our truths without having to fight each other or argue with each other or condemn one another, um, something like that. Yeah. Well, and that's probably going to be a lot of the challenge over the next year is actually figuring out that space. And um, and realistically, yeah. it's like, huh, whatever. Like, humanity is not going to just suddenly, like, start getting along, so. <laughs> yes, but it is definitely polarized right now, and it, this is a reality yeah. of what's going on in the world. And so, like, I know a lot of people are very excited about Jupiter moving to Sagittarius. And to be honest, I am too. You know, it's moving my second house. I was like, thank God. Um, but at the same time, I realize within the climate of the world right now, this means significant things. Um, right. And, and these, these are the type of realities. And I definitely want, don't want to be a negative Nelly, but, you know, I only see Jupiter and Sagittarius really um, escalating a lot of the, mm-hmm. the conflict that we've seen, especially ideologically, and especially since we're so divided in many ways. Well, and, and that was something I, I pointed out to um, a few people recently was that um, Pope Francis, for example, has the North Node in Sagittarius and his son is conjunct the North Node in Sag. And Donald Trump has the South Node um, and the Moon, you know, mm-hmm. is in the South, is in Sagittarius. So you've got, he's got the Moon in the South Node in Sagittarius. So you have like these really prominent world leaders with um, major, you know, uh, placements in Sag. And so I, I think that it's obvious that we're going to see a huge expression of personal ideologies coming from a place of, um, what word do I want to use? Um, zealotry, like really oh. zealous um, yes, energy. That's that's a very Sagittarius mm-hmm. word is, is, it is. Um, uh, you know, being zealous. And so I think that we'll see a lot of that with these world leaders and within that religious framework and also politically because Sagittarius is very much connected to the idea of politics and religion and law and... Um, philosophy. So you're going to have a lot of those expressions coming about. Um, There might be a lot of things that get published, you Mm -hmm. know, that, hey, maybe there will be some things that come out that are published that we um, weren't expecting to ever be published, but they come into the public view and it sparks some sort of like heated, you know, debate or something like that. 
Um, it's a fire sign, so it's a very active energy in the sense that it's expressive. It's uh, it's intense in that way of um, you know being seen and uh, esoterically. Fire is related to vision and mm-hmm. sight, which Sagittarius is too, right? It's a sign that's very much connected to the idea of um, the seer, mm-hmm. uh, the one that has the vision, so and freedom, right? But freedom comes through um, having a vision that enables you to move forward. Yeah. So perhaps there will be aspects of this too, that in the midst of all of that we've just experienced and encountered, we'll have this moment of realization of seeing something else and saying, oh, that's our way forward. That's our way through this. And, okay, there's where our freedom really is, is, um, you know, coming through this storm and then seeing the the light kind of at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Well, and to play back of what you were just saying earlier and the idea of progress, and essentially that is what Jupiter is looking to get to do, no matter it's how like that looks. Self, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like you were saying, you were just listing off some key words with Sagittarius, you know, the political system, the church system, because there's a lot that, you know, we've seen. I feel like there is going to be a lot of activity in in the religious realm and in the in the, the church hierarchy and all that. Um, well, yeah. yeah, and Jupiter and Scorpio. Um, totally, we saw the like sex scandals yes, and stuff with the exactly. Catholic Church, and so um, after that, so now what? And that's also like sad, just like the the judgment of God of the God. The God is like you know raining down fiery judgment. And that's like the angry Sagittarius, right? It's like, <laughs> yes. You don't want to like, you know, you don't want to fuck with Sagittarius because like, I will smote you, you yeah. know, it's like, you are smoted. Just kidding. I know that's not a word. It's like smite, but whatever. But like, <laughs> I'm all smoted. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I say that. Oh, yeah. Well, and it, well, that's the thing too, is like, yes, these things come out, right? And so what's to be done about it? Because, you know, another thing that kind of can get in there with Sagittarius and in Jupiter and maybe more negative quality of it is the idea of hypocrisy. Yeah. Yes. And we see a lot of that (laughs) and, you know, and I'm sure everybody can be guilty of it themselves in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's (laughs) something I liked your mannerism there. (laughs) And so it's something to, you know, to think about here uh, because I think that's the thing with Jupiter is, you know, I think it's going to ramp things up or put things on steroids first before we might be able to move through or to come to conclusions or move through certain, you know, um, that progress that we're looking to find. I have a lot of hope, uh, though, because, you know, for me, the the real positive or enlightening view of Jupiter and that kind of sense of hypocrisy, mm-hmm. which I realized I carried around with me for a long time, um, because I would always be judging everyone, mm. thinking, oh, well, they're not doing this, or they're doing this a certain way. They can't really be spiritual or whatever. And what I found <laughs> through um, my own very, like, you know, profound experiences um, in the past year, I guess, is that the secret to ridding yourself of hypocrisy is to stop judging everyone. And really, in effect, stop judging yourself because really what you're doing is you're seeing something in someone else and so um, that you don't like and it's really a reflection of you. But I think that that's really the key to, uh, you know, dismissing that inner hypocrite is stop judging. Just simply uh, realize that, oh, okay, everyone has a way of doing things that works for them as long as it's not hurting me or someone else. 
you know, and ideally not themselves, you know, then who cares? Yeah. And if we can just get past that little bump in the road in our evolutionary cycle, <laughs> which is what I feel like we're, we've been trying to do for a long time, that whole like, oh, cool, you can be you and I'll be me and we'll just, you know, do our thing and it's fine. It doesn't make any difference if you, you know, like chocolate ice cream and I like vanilla. We don't have to get into an argument about this. Yeah. One doesn't have to be better, quote unquote, yeah. than the other. Um, just because I like chocolate more than vanilla doesn't mean that chocolate ice cream is better than vanilla ice cream. It's just what I prefer. Mm. It's not a fight to the death issue. And I feel like humanity has really been, you know, progressing to that point. Now, for several hundred years, maybe we're almost there now, <laughs> where we're going to be like, oh, cool. It's great that you have preferences and that you have things that you like, and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's freeing if we're looking for yeah, the, the exactly. freedom within it. But, you know, I think what you're saying and what why there is such tension there is because we try to hold on to certain ideals that we want everyone to abide by. Like, uh, you know, the whole idea of the country, you know, separating church and state. Uh, like I was reading the other day in, um, on a Vice article about uh, a town, uh, I think it was Bay Park, I want to say. God, I can't. I'm so bad about that. Um, anyways, it's a it's a town that's been around for a long time that was uh, founded by, you know, Christian ideals. It's a lovely place. But they're trying to actively now— like in this day and age, they were trying to pass legislature that was basically saying that you can't live in this town without being part of of the Protestant faith, um, <laughs> and you know, and so people are fighting that because That's they so have funny. property. Like if you have property there, and someone were to say, "Oh, you can't live here because you're not of this," you know, in in 2018, That's just absurd. it's absurd to think about, right? It is, yeah. Um, but the reality is, is a lot of people think that that is a justifiable. Right. justifiable concern yeah you know we want to keep our neighborhood nice you know we're all <laughs> like because their whole stance with it was the fact that the majority of us agree on this we've created a nice community for ourselves based on our ideals and what we believe but at the same time you know we can't we can't really hold space for that you that's a I mean? really good point too in the sense that um that's definitely not that's not a jupiter thing in the sense that uh, what they're not considering is the larger social and political hegemon in which we live under, right? Mm-hmm. So they're totally discarding that um, whole aspect of this, and they're not seeing the big picture. Yeah. And the big picture is, that's your opinion. Yeah. It doesn't count for anything. And so <laughs> you can want that to be all day long, but uh, at the end of the day, our society is structured a certain way to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. And so those are the kind of things though, that are being dismissed, right. By the, you know, the universe, the collective consciousness is that now we're looking at those things and we're laughing at it. Mm -hmm. That's a really good sign that we can look at that and laugh at it. Now that means that we feel so safe in that sense of freedom that we no longer feel threatened by it Yeah, because now we find it amusing. And so I think that's actually, there was, there's a quote, it says um, something along the lines of um, the greatest, uh, the greatest force to dispel evil is, uh, is laughter. And so whenever you can really, truly just laugh at something and see it as ridiculous, you can totally dispel it and dismiss it. It has no power over you. Mm. So I don't feel threatened or worried about that at all because I see it as, um, 
I, I see it as completely ridiculous, and so do you, and so does anyone else, I imagine, who would who would consider this. Um, you know, we we laugh about those those people from I don't even remember the name of their church that protested all these funerals and stuff. It used to be a big deal. People used to be on the news talking about it. Westboro Baptist Church, that's what it was. Oh. And we we la- we sit around and laugh at these people because it's so ridiculous yeah. that they're doing that. Uh, but those are the things that are being, you know, like I said, dismissed and they're fading out, they're fading away. Uh, our consciousness is our consciousness is moving away from those ideological stances and away from that, you know, pre-modern understanding of the world and moving into new horizons for uh, what's ahead of us. Mm. We can't quite see it or just, you know, make it out yet, but we know that we are at a turning point in our evolutionary process and we are becoming that which is ahead. Mm. We're not going back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing with Jupiter is, you, yeah, you, there, it's not a backwards journey. <laughs> I mean, it can be if you want to make it. So retrograde. I know. Yeah, wait till retrograde to go backwards. Um, But no, it's it's true. These are very new horizon type of transits that we're going through, and in in the in the grand scheme of greater cycles too, because you know we're going to hit our uh, Jupiter Saturn conjunction in twenty twenty, and the Jupiter Pluto. You know. Oh my God. So we're wrapping things up here rather than, you know, oh, he's got something in his brain. I see it. His yeah, wheels are turning. Well, no, I just thought about that. When I said New Horizons, I remembered that um, there was a New Horizons oil spill in the Gulf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was connected to uh, Neptune's ingress into Pisces. And I know that you and I were talking about how uh, there's a transit uh, coming up, you know, with Jupiter and Sag square Neptune. Yes. And then Saturn making a sextile. And then suddenly this kind of like hit me and I was like, I wonder if there's going to be some sort of um, something that comes up about that again in the sense of maybe there's going to be some sort of like reparation that has to be done uh, further. I don't, I don't even know what has been done so far, but there might be something that comes up related to that or to even um, the oil business in general and offshore drilling or things of that nature because Saturn represents oil. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is actually really interesting to consider because mm-hmm. Saturn is um, very symbolic of oil. Mm-hmm. Jupiter, like hidden wealth. This idea of Neptune um, or Jupiter being wealth, right? In abundance. Neptune being in Pisces, a water. Uh, and this idea of digging deep. There's there's something oh, going on. There's something there's something, here. Yeah, there's something going on, right? Sorry, this just like hit me out of nowhere and I'm like, okay. Like there's obviously something connected to the to that that we're going to see coming um, to fruition because it seems very obvious to me now that we just talked about all those things. Mm-hmm. This well, is this is Pisces like kind of um, this is how it works. I, I can't help it. So excuse me for going off on these random things. <laughs> but that's what I love about you. And it's so funny because usually when I get prepared for the podcast, like I have my little outline, I've got my notes, I get everything all like, you know, dit, 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 dit. But with James, I was like, okay, I'm going to leave this open because I know that's that's how you, you know, that's how you work. That Sagittarius, that Pisces energy, that, uh, that mutable energy, like just... You know, you're going with the flow, essentially, and that's when the good ideas or, like, the epiphanies or the visions will come, essentially, of what you see. And so, I like that. That's that's fun. And you, you never know what's going to come out. 
yeah, but um, yeah, so we do have that. That's like the main aspect that's going on when Jupiter is in Sagittarius is uh, it'll be making a square to Neptune. Um, and just to outline, because I don't think I did that. So basically Jupiter will be in Sagittarius from November 8th of this year to uh, December 2nd, 2019. And during the transit, Jupiter will square Neptune on January 13th kind of out the gate there, uh, uh, when it's retrograde on June 16th, and then once again direct on September 21st. So we're going to see movement in that Neptune-Tunian story, um, which we saw before, because when Saturn squared Neptune back in what, 2016, and when we had our elections, <laughs> you know, it, that's when people started getting really ramped up about their own ideological views, and we became even more separated and parted, and, you know, Right, and it was dissolving us as a country in a sense because Neptune has this very no boundaries disillusion type of energy to it. Well, there was a lot of fear injected into yeah. it too, and Saturn is um, true. You know, Saturn signifies fear, and so you have this idea of fear and confusion. Yeah, oh, right, a perfect combo. And, yeah, <laughs> for chaos. Well, and you know, I mean, I think that um, both um, Hillary and and Trump ran on. Aspects of fear, yeah. In that, um, you know, that's for, been a political agenda forever. Yeah, it it's just like, like fear, and there was a lot of um, things that were very unclear. There were a lot of arguments that people were making that were very. Um, it seemed to be very hidden, or like there was some sort of agenda that wasn't, you know, made known. It was very Neptunian, mm-hmm. very ambiguous, very um, shifty. <laughs> Yeah, like shifty. I like that word. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like that kind of shifty, uh, hazy, uh, unseen thing. You know, I can I can see that, but I can't quite make it out. What is that? Oh, oh, that's the thing that's going to just really fuck me over. Okay. <laughs> well, it's so funny too because back then, like, what was happening was. Well, especially there's just the tactic that uh, the Republican Party was using with Hillary, you know, the whole email thing and like the, yeah. she, the deception behind that, you know, like and, totally and trumping that up, which is a hilarious. I know it's the, the word alone is hilarious. Um, but so we're back again here with the same aspect with a totally different planet because Jupiter and Saturn, by definition, are essentially opposites. Right. Jupiter is is going, you know, courage. <laughs> yeah. and, you know. It 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 uh moves past boundaries whereas Saturn creates them and constricts back, to, you know. That's right. that's that expansion constriction type of Right, um, exactly. you know, orientation, but totally. um, Yeah, so I think that part of that is going to um you know, if we're looking at Jupiter and Sag as this very potentially ideological battle, you know, uh, and then Neptune thrown in there, um, couldn't, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. How do I, I may have to revisit that when something comes to me, <laughs> but. Well, personally, <laughs> I think Neptune. that these are, these are really great opportunities for people to look at the cultural archetypes that we're seeing. Mm. Look out in the world, see the cultural archetypes, see the events that are playing out in the world, and then say to yourself, oh, where is this within me? Because if I can see it, if I can, if I can see this and um, understand it, then therefore it relates to me mm-hmm. because there's no other possibility. We can't actually ever experience anything that doesn't exist within us. It's like the the old story of whenever um, Cortez was coming to land 
on the shores, but none of the native people could see the ships because they didn't have a concept for it in their minds. So therefore, um, that wasn't something they could perceive. But if we can look out into the world and see all of these things happening, really we should pay attention to our judgments of them because how we, how we judge the world really reflects our own inner process. So that's why like I, I have, and it's not even an effort thing for me now, but it's like I don't sit around and even consider like what any of these people are doing. Like it's just become very unimportant to me in a way uh, because I, I look at it and I say, well, you know, um, that's nice, but what can I do in my life today to uh, be a cause for the good or whatever? Like, hey, maybe I can just be a little nicer today to someone or smile to someone or go out of my way to be helpful to someone. And then, you know, if we each did that, we wouldn't have to worry about creating these huge, like, images in our society that are projections of our own pain and our own fear because that's really what Donald Trump represents is is a collective projection of the pain and the suffering and the ideological angst of an entire nation and so I mean if anyone wants to really like point a finger and say who's responsible for Donald Trump well I'd say that we all are because mm. we're all connected and this is a this is a mutual projection and the only way that we can truly deconstruct that is by taking that image and transmuting it into something else and shining a light on it uh, within ourselves and saying, hey, this ideological issue that I have Mm -hmm. where I feel like there's a good and a bad and a right and a wrong, that needs to be addressed within me first. Rather than arguing it outside of the self. Why do I think that there's something right or wrong within myself. Let me look this up. Okay, because I was watching... I love that point, James, because I was watching um, Bill Maher the other night, and he had a guest on who was... um, uh, who is a Republican... um, I want to find this week guests. Well, and basically what he was saying is um, the Republican representative, he's, he's like... You know, don't shoot the messenger, but this is exactly what this is Donald Trump's whole game plan is getting everybody riled up, you know, like the extremes where we have to where we are fighting out these these opinions and these, you know, what we think should be justified. And like and and by him remaining calm, essentially within it, like that's the, that's his whole strategy. And the guy's like. And every, yeah, and and so they, you know, Bill Maher and the you know more liberal guests were getting riled up, and it's like, but we have to fight. This is the time, you know, like. But he's like, yes, you know, you can feel that way, but it doesn't change what I'm saying right now. Is that this is the tactic, and by participating in that on either side, essentially, yeah, it's the same energy, it's the same thing, just at That's a different right. extreme. So exactly, I like what you're and saying there's no there. difference. That's what people don't understand. They think, well, oh, I'm nothing like that other person. Um, Now, just a second. Like, detach yourself from that story that you've created and see that it's the exact same thing. There's no difference. Your passion about your 
ideologies or your beliefs or your ideas are, it's not a different type of passion. It's just passion. Mm -hmm. And you can say, well, it's motivated by love. Well, so is everyone. Like everyone's motivated by what they love. Like, you know, it's not just you, it's everyone. And doesn't mean that the universe has some sort of like bearded man on a throne somewhere who's going to be like, oh yeah, your right is more right than that right. So I'm going to take their side. No, it's simply just a neutral system in the universe that um, gives weight wherever we put it. Mm-hmm. We choose where that weight goes. If you want it to be into like all of this crazy, like I'm going to kill you and fight you to the death over my religious convictions um, then, okay, well, that's nice. Have fun with that. I'm not interested. I'm not investing in that. And I hope that people gradually begin to open themselves up to realizing that we are literally the ones creating all of these experiences. It's not just, it's not just someone we can blame. We need to stop projecting and then blaming. Um, oftentimes, I feel like what people do is that which, which they are unwilling or unable to face within themselves, they find someone or something to project it onto and make it an enemy that they can defeat externally because they're not willing to do that inside of themselves. And I would say that's the essential number one issue with all of humanity is that very thing. Mm. That because we won't confront the, the thing that we call the enemy within ourselves, we have to project that thing onto something else so that we can have something to destroy because we simply love ourselves too much, whether we can see it that way or not. Mm, you know, that's a, that's a great point. You know, what popped in my mind as you're saying that, and we're thinking about the square to Neptune in Pisces, is the challenge of compassion yeah. within viewpoints of other people. And because it's, it's, that, that is a challenge. It is challenging to be compassionate when you are so fired up about what you think is right in the world. Because essentially that's what the Sagittarius and Jupiter energy is going to, you know, because people will fight to the death, like you were saying, in order to be right. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's not right. If we bring back to that hypocrisy or, you know, type of energy, it's it's going down with a ship to not be wrong. Um, and, and, but how, yeah, so I think that's a lot of it is challenging that very idea of compassion. There was a really good image that came to me um, a few weeks ago. I feel like really symbolizes the great work of life and for anyone who really can start seeing beyond their uh, personal self and begin to see themselves as everything and, you know, the all, the universe and all that exists is realizing that Life is kind of like this. It's like being aboard a ship, and that ship has been taking on water for ages and ages. Mm-hmm. And every night, you and about five or six other people out of this huge ship go down into the hull of the ship with buckets, carry the water out, throw it overboard. And then one day, uh, the other members of the crew see you, and they... They think you're being mutinous because the water's always been there. It's supposed to be there, right? Because that's just how it's always been. Mm-hmm. And, and so then they consider you to be a traitor, and so they throw you overboard. And, you know, and so, like, you have, like, this ongoing process of trying to reason with people and to get them to see that, oh, no, don't you realize that, that if the water get, keeps getting into the ship and no one's taking the water out— that the ship is going to sink and you're going to go down with it. And I think that 
that's what our whole experience is like right now at this point in our evolutionary cycle is finally being able to witness that Mm. and say, oh, I see this and now I have a name for it. And really what it is 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 self-sabotage, but it's born out of ignorance, right? Because it makes you feel unsafe to change. Mm. And wow, what a big word for a mutable sign, right? Is change. Yeah. And Jupiter exactly. is trying to bring change. And in Sagittarius, a fire sign, it's like, oh, our vision is changing for what we want the world to look like. Mm-hmm. And our truths are changing. Our beliefs and our ideologies are coming to a point of change. And it's about time. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's the silver lining that we're going to get out of this is like, yeah, that we, we might have to go through some extremes to get there. But like if we look back to this Jupiter and Scorpio transit that we're about to, you know, wrap finish, up. we're about to wrap this up here. Right. Um, and this is, a, this is a fixed sign um, that is a sign with change to some extent. It's a different change in the mutability of Sagittarius that we're talking about. Right. But what it changed or what it was bringing progress to was a lot of fixed things that were, were there that needed to be rooted up. And now this just natural transition into, uh, you know, mutable Sagittarius is really helping us to transition. But we have to go through these things first, uh, I think, to get there. Yeah, totally. And and just to reemphasize what I was, you know, uh, speaking to, though, this doesn't have anything to do with any political parties or mm-hmm. anything like that. This doesn't mean, like, you know, going out and voting and making a difference in the world. This means be becoming really true and honest and real and authentic with yourself mm. um, because that's where the real change happens. It doesn't matter who you vote for if you're just an asshole, you know, to everyone in your life because you're part of the problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no other way of saying that. If you're just going to run around and be a jerk to everyone, then we don't need you. And so we just need you to get with the program and, you know, start being compassionate and realize that how you treat others is a direct reflection of how you treat yourself. It's literally saying, I'm in pain, and so I need to hurt everyone else because um, I'm hurting too much right now. I can't take any more pain. I've got to get rid of my pain. Here, have my pain. Mm. And that's really got to stop. Uh, and it, it really does start with each of us. I mean, every day I have to reconsider uh, the moments in which I didn't act from a place of compassion or grace or even mercy, but ways in which I was severe and harsh or unkind. And to some people, it might not seem like a big deal, you know, what yes, I, some what people I just do, operate. <laughs> you know, but to me it is, right? Yeah. Because as we all make progress along the path, even the smallest things that we do are more meaningful in both directions. doesn't mean that there's any right or wrong because it's all a progress, progressive experience of learning and discovering ourselves as this beautiful, infinite, loving being that we are. But at the same time, we're here to like work through that shit, not like carry it with us forever. So you got to transmute that. You got to turn the lead into gold. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to carry the lead around. You don't want to put it in your water and drink it, right? Uh, that's another like thing, right? Flint mm. and the the lead in the water. That's probably going to come up again too, because Saturn is lead, Neptune oh. is the, you know the yeah. water, and then maybe Jupiter. Jupiter represents purity, so maybe there'll be some sort of resolution for that. 
Yeah. Well, maybe that's <laughs> so, where the nap team see, like, comes on. See, that's there. what I mean. These things just hit me like I'm talking, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. Maybe. Well, no, that, that's good. That's like, that's what we're looking for here. Um, oh, what's, you know what I was thinking of too, because I was coming across, I was just looking at some, you know, just general rulerships. <laughs> I was just looking at some general rulerships for Jupiter and Sagittarius in general. Um, and when I was looking into Sagittarius, uh, it was talking about sports injuries, which I found very interesting because quite recently it's been coming up into my view. A lot of people talking about uh, CTE, uh, which is chronic traumatic encephalo- oh, encephalopathy right. yeah. for, right. um, you know, with people that are in dangerous sports such as football. Right. And, getting- and people are, con- yeah. And so it's destroying their brains, basically. And there's people coming out that used to be, you know, Foot, you know, uh, important athletes that are saying, yeah, this is... Pro ball players. Yes, this is a a reality. This is happening. But at the same time, you know, I saw... uh, They were talking about it on the same Bill Maher episode I saw. They were talking about uh, uh, another football player who's like... Wrote a whole book basically saying that this is a a farce to uh, destroy football. Yeah, James is rolling his eyes, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was good. That's but, but I just, you know, these, these are the types of things that are probably going to be coming up for us to take a look at because that is the reality. This is the brutal sports that, you know, mess with let's, your... Let's just take a minute to consider this for a second. So people are just like pro football players yeah. who spent their entire lives building their image and their, you know, their identity um, surrounding this sport are suddenly trying to destroy it um, and making up a story about brain damage. That so sounds right, huh? Yeah. Well, the like, guy was a, a football player. Right, I know. But, but you see, like, what he's doing, though, is oh, he's, he's, he's trying to defend, like, his own personal legacy, uh, exactly. right? And what he, he's identifying so heavily and strongly with, you know, football that he can't detach from that for a minute and, th- and consider the fact that, oh, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe there's something here I don't know. And that speaks yeah. to the same issue it's, it, again. Absolutely. Is that sense of certainty. Mm-hmm. And that's the Sagittarius problem mm-hmm. is um, I know this is true. And it's like, oh, my God, you can only see like one or two percent of visible light, you know, or whatever it is on that spectrum. We can see we can see hardly anything. What do you mean? You know, like that's become the most ridiculous thing to me now. I used to be like that. I used to have like this great certainty about everything. And now mm. I'm like, wow, I don't know anything. Yeah. Like, please teach me. That's almost free. That's freeing. To oh. like, just accept that. Like, you yeah. know, like, it's that's, like, yeah. Obviously, like, I don't know anything. Uh, in the grand scheme of everything, I might know, like, point zero 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 infinite one of anything <laughs> there is to know. Well, you know, well, I think that's this goes back to the point with the whole sports thing, is it's like, at the end of the day, regardless of either argument, like... I mean, who am I to say it's wrong to play football? Like, this is a choice people can make. Exactly. But I think what it comes down to is just making sure that people understand. Because that's a part of Sagittarius, too, is fully understanding something. Um, right. You know, what the consequences are for playing it, especially if you're putting, like, a five-year-old kid in peewee football. Well, I feel like that's a Saturn you know? thing, too, right? Like, determining what are the potential, like, risks involved in this, mm. right? And so Saturn, uh, like, Jupiter or Sagittarius even is more like... Don't look before you leap. Just go. Just jump into it. Whatever. Let's have a good head time. First. <laughs> yeah, head first. Right. Let's have a good time. Um, let's let's just you know get going with it. And Saturn's like, well, 
ha ha ha, you didn't consider all these potential risk and things. Yeah, like Saturn yeah. is like that evil like genius who's like, Yeah, I've got I've set a trap for you. Yeah. You weren't even prepared for Go this. ahead, have your fun. I'll right. be waiting for you at the end. Exactly. After time has passed. And it's like <laughs> it's like Saturn is actually like the uh greatest comedian, you know, because Sag is like the comedian, they say. Yeah. Um Saturn's really got the best jokes though because Saturn can see it coming. Yeah. He's ready for it, man. He's got that good timing. Was it right? timing? Well, they have correlations with, uh, like, it is, if you look at the charts of famous comedians, you're usually going to see, see moon, Saturn aspects, it, a lot of Saturn in there. Because you're absolutely right. It's the timing. I it's joke like about the, this all the time. I'm like, the reason that I can tell really good jokes mm-hmm. is I'll observe people for a period of time, and then... I'll pick up on different things and then I'll wait for just the right, right moment. moment. <laughs> and I have Saturn and Capricorn, so I can wait. I can be patient. And Mars and Capricorn. Yeah, it's just worth it though, right? It's yeah. just worth it to get that perfect moment where it's just like, yeah, I've been saving this for you. Oh, <laughs> That's such a Saturn it, thing, isn't it? It's it like, is a little, little bit of, uh, of both, but having that. Well, because I, I, I feel you. They, I used to have the nickname The Punisher. <laughs> Because I couldn't help but speak in puns. Even when I wasn't trying, oh, I would say something right away that would just be like... The I, Punisher. It was the Punisher, I know. I had to have a pun for oh, it. God. I didn't even give me that name. Someone else did. A Sagittarius, actually. People are going to listen to this podcast and be like, what the hell were they doing? We're just like, oh, this is what we always do. This is very, we're just recording it. This is very Sagittarius, to be we're honest. Just, we're recording <laughs> like what we typically do. We just sit around and joke and laugh about life and uh, talk about astrology and magic. <laughs> And that's the fun of it. But okay, so let let us let us uh, move into some previous periods of Jupiter and Sag because I did have some fun things to share. Um, so just if you want, if you keep score and you've lived for a little while, here's some years that because basically uh, Jupiter goes into has returns to a sign every twelve years, give or take. Um, and so the last time Jupiter was in Sagittarius was. Uh, Basically, 2007, all 2007, um, 1995. Well, oh, yeah. but oh, it's yeah. late. It's like it moved in late yeah, 2016, like, like Decem- yeah. mid-December. So it's basically just like yeah. yeah, right at the end. Um, so mostly 2007. Um, and then it was uh, December of 94 through all of 95, uh, December of 82 through all of 83. Uh, and then 71 through 72 was actually... Um, the last time it was there for a long time, actually, because it was passing in and out of Sagittarius and Capricorn, I want to say. Um, so you can look back to those times to kind of look like what, you know, Jupiter and Sagittarius, how it will flavor your own chart and your own life. But I wanted to look back at just 2007 because a lot of us can recall it, you know, uh, pretty quickly. Um, one of the things that happened was the iPhone was first released. Uh, so the iPhone is now getting its Jupiter return, which um, I thought that was pretty funny because that that changed. That was revolutionary for uh, phones and right. Yeah, the smartphone. I mean, yeah, I mean that was a big deal, and it also has this idea of doing with like vision, right? iPhone, ah! and so it's like <laughs> Jupiter and Sag, right? It's yeah. like, oh, okay, now I can see, and it's also this idea of information and knowledge, yes. right? In your hand, in your palm hand. of your hand. Exactly. And so I can only imagine, you know, what we're progressing to now after this 12 years of, you know, going through this cycle of Jupiter. And then we see all these um, 
iterations of iPhones, right? And then smartphones and how it just exploded and just expanded, right? Yeah. So, yes. And look where we are today because of it. Like, it has changed mm-hmm. our changed society. Our entire, our well, yes. everything. Our perception of it. Like, how we go about, you we know. We can fact check everything now. Like, of course, you have to know how to and actually how to fact do check. it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you can do research with, you know, which is, which is, there are benefits and then there are also um, issues arising from this, right? Mm, yeah. Because we have the idea of, yes, I have unlimited knowledge. Unlimited. But really is yes, I have unlimited information. Yes. And do I have the discernment mm-hmm. that's necessary to uh, accurately judge whether this information is beneficial or not? Yeah. And is this really going to be useful or is this going to um, actually be counterproductive? If I start uh, believing that something that someone wrote on the internet is true. Well, and that speaks to the whole, where we are today and even the political situation. that's exactly right. So here, so that had started, (laughs) basically that. uh, But Facebook, uh, Facebook was really getting started around that same time. Yeah, that's true. Because I remember this, um, graduating, I was graduating high school. I graduated high school in 2006. And I remember 2007 distinctly um, was the first time I really got interested in like Facebook. Um, and it had just really started in the past couple of years, but it, it started to uh, take off around the same time that Jupiter was in Sag, uh, from what I know. Uh, and so you have this advent of smartphone technology, social media, and this, this idea of connection, right? So now we've all become connected, and we're not just chatting with, you know, strangers in message groups on AOL. AOL. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing that yeah, we got here, right? Yeah. Um, at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <laughs> but instead, we're actually engaging with people that we can see their face, ideally, if people are actually putting their face up. Um, we're interacting with people and we're following their life story. And so it's this idea of, a narrative and it creates a social narrative for what people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. People, we, we, we are now able to create relationships with people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Long distances, right? Exist, mm-hmm. um, you know, between us yet we can form these really profound relationships. I have friends in other countries, um, you know, that I've never met in person. I have many friends in India who are Vedic astrologers who are wonderful uh, people and I get to interact with them because of the smartphone and because of um, social media. Wow, what a Jupiter and Sag thing that is! Yeah, I mean, well, if, well, and it is, but has turned out to be. Yeah, in in many ways, because I don't think we anticipated. You, you know, but those are the kind of it, things you never could predict. Well, exactly, and I think that's really what Saturn represents too: is this idea that. Um, it's it's something that's out there, like this idea of the higher self, like Jupiter in, um, is the guru, like the guru. And so it's this idea of that which is the next level of our experience. Mm. Because really all the higher self is, is you at a higher state of knowledge and awareness, looking down and looking back at everything else that you've ever been. And so we're always our higher self to, you know, who we were at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So ultimately, we're all our higher selves all the time, becoming our higher selves. And so collectively, what that represents for us is 
where we're headed. Yeah. And we can see this in what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. I got another one that's okay. uh, to play into the New Horizons because we were talking about New Horizons right. a couple times, right? Yeah. So in 2007, the New Horizons space probe. <laughs> I totally forgot that you said that. Yeah. New Horizons space probe. So basically the space probe was sent out, um, I want to say it was launched in early like 2002 or 2003 or something along those lines. Uh, and it, But its goal was to get to Pluto, which is hilarious. To some extent, because <laughs> we are getting to Pluto as a society in many ways, but I, I digress. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so basically in 2007, the New Horizons space probe had made it to Jupiter. Um, and the reason it was going to Jupiter was, A, to try to photograph the moons and see what it can see there. But it was going to it use Jupiter as a gravitational slingshot <laughs> to be thrust further out into space in order to reach uh, Pluto. Um and I, I just thought that was, yeah, exactly. Bow and arrow. It yeah. literally ricocheted off the planet's gravitational force. It used the tension. Yeah. Right? It, it, to, to go farther, That's to go right. places we've never been before. That's right. Yes, New Horizons, as we're yeah, talking about. Exactly. How poetic is that? It it's, is. It's so, beautiful. It's beautiful. And so uh, it made it to Pluto back in 2015, and now it's going into the Kuiper Belt even beyond to look at some of these objects we haven't seen. But, um, yeah, I just I thought that was very... Well, Very yeah, and that's an idea of expansion, too, like expanding beyond anything that we exactly. have ever experienced or known. But, like, that's, like, one of my, um, you know, this came to me one day because uh, I was thinking about the idea of stress, and this quote just kind of, like, popped into my mind or this, like, thought. And it said, without tension in the bowstring, the arrow doesn't fly far. Mm. And so that tension is really necessary, and it's good, and it's useful. That's like we were talking about before the podcast in relationships, mm-hmm. how having just like that little bitty grain of tension is like, you know, the sand and the oyster that is creating the pearl. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that in your relationships, just that little bit of like tension, there's something there, you can't put your finger on it, but you don't hate it. But, you know, it's just like a little uncomfortable. But if it weren't there, it would just be really boring. Yeah. And well, we all just need that tension in life to motivate us to move on and to keep keep on making that progressive, like the progressive, expansive um, journey. Well, when as you're saying that, the the image that came into my mind was you know sitting in front of a campsite trying to get a fire started through friction. Yeah, there you, you go. know it's, yeah, it's exactly really that that thing. You know that's the fire starter. That's the spark. It makes all the work worth it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's like it's. That's, I think that's really like where the goodness of Jupiter comes from. Because if we were just sitting around all the time and life was just like Santa Claus, just throwing gifts <laughs> at us all the time, that's just really freaking boring. Yeah. Like, um, who wants that? Uh, even if you know how to like manifest things, it's you, you come to this like realization where it's like, well, that's just that just sucks. Like, you don't want that really. Because you can't enjoy something if it's effortless. Yeah. You can't truly enjoy things that you don't, like, have any type of uh, catharsis from. Because the true enjoyment you get is the the product and the relief from the effort that you're putting out and the pain of not having it. Mm-hmm. So pleasure is really just the relief of pain. and Or, you know, pleasure is the relief of that tension, mm-hmm. finally. But then eventually that becomes painful and you want, you want to 
get that tension back so that you can experience it again. Mm. It's also kind of like sex. You know? <laughs> you know? We, you know, Jupiter's been in Scorpio. We've been talking about that, right? You know, if you, if you We've do been that, talking a lot about that. Yeah, actually. if you want to do that, if you do that, you know, five times a day, that's going to get old. Yeah. And it's probably going to make you a little sore. <laughs> so you might want to, like, take a little break in between so you can really enjoy those experiences. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of, um, you know, a lot of people that have... Uh, some of the most tense, you know, internal experiences and stuff are people who actually have a lot in the world. Like, you know, people like rich kids and stuff like that. You always think, oh, you got everything. But then they like totally blow up on these other things because they have, yeah, it's like the. Well, that's because they don't have those, that little stuff to deal with. Yeah. And so they really got to deal with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. They don't even have wonder, <laughs> Is that really a blessing or is that like some, like. Some really like come come you know what is it um, come to Jesus time <laughs> yeah but like that's that old you know saying is like oh you know come to Jesus like moment where you're like oh um, uh oh I don't have all this stuff to distract me from really like getting to the the real stuff Love. yeah yeah Ooh. well yeah no I hear you now another one you know I like this so in 2007 uh, the Mega Millions lottery. Had hit its world record of three hundred and seventy million. When we just recently got this, like one point one point seven billion. Yeah, six, yes, seven, and something. so isn't that funny that here yeah. we're on the and someone won it. Someone won it in South Carolina. One person and hasn't come forward yet. Oh my god! They they could be anonymous through South Carolina. Uh, How law. long do they have? I don't know. That's a good question. But I've been searching for it because you know they're going to say if someone comes forward, they can't say who it is. But yeah, no, there is no. If not, that's going to be put back into the pot, right? Yeah. And then everybody, yes. everybody's going to go buy a lottery ticket. Wouldn't that be funny? It's if It's going to be like the five case. billion dollar lottery. It's going to be like. I can just imagine the person who won it, and they're like, "Oh my god, cardiac arrest." Just died on there. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I'm just kidding. That's what came into my brain. But I don't know. I'm a, I would almost die if I won $1.6 billion. <laughs> I don't even know. But, I haven't even considered how I'd react to it. Because yeah. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Well, and speaking of money, too, what's interesting, because that's the thing when we're talking about Jupiter and Sag, um, in 2007, that's when the Dow market hit its all-time high. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. It, before basically the recession hit right. the next year. And so I was just thinking of this idea of Jupiter and Sag, you know, bumping everything up in this abundance. And then, boom, Jupiter goes into Capricorn, the sign of its fall. And the stock market literally fell. Yeah. You know, it tanked. And, and, so and, yes. that's a trend. That's right? a trend. That's a trend. Yeah. But I think that it also has this idea of speculation involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? absolutely. And um, everybody has, like, all these great hopes for what's going to happen. And they get really attached to their expectations. And... Then, like I was saying earlier, it's like, you know, Saturn's just back there waiting like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You're yeah, good going. Yeah, yeah. You should be excited about this. Yeah. Keep being excited You know about I'm it. meeting Pluto, right? You yeah, know I'm. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Jupiter's coming for me in Capricorn. Yeah. No. But hey, you know, that's actually really interesting symbolism, though, whenever Jupiter, um, you know, is going to meet up with Saturn and be conjunct there. Based on dignity. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this idea that... Um, it's kind of like that That moment is actually something that's striking me just now. It's like I'm getting an image of this. Oh, is, wait. But no, it's happening at zero degrees Aquarius. Yeah. Uh, but it's still in dignity there. Well, the it's traditional- an orb of, of, of conjunction beforehand, too. That's true. That's you know, true. it just won't be exact. But you have this idea of, 
well, that's actually very perfect for the analogy that was forming in my mind. Yeah. It's like the uh, archetype of the Christ. And Jupiter meeting Saturn and, and Capricorn is really like the moment where, like, um, the religious figures, like, crucify the Christ and he's, like, dying on the cross. Mm. But then you have this idea that it being exact in Aquarius is... Zero degrees. Right. Like, it's right, like, yeah. you know, it's like this idea of rising, you know, or this idea of there's still being hope or something like that, even though um, that's still Saturn rule sign. It's this idea that, oh, well, maybe like what I thought was bad really wasn't that bad. Maybe there was some good that could come of this. And I think that's really what Saturn um, is there to show us is that those things that we think are so horrible and bad are so necessary and essential because why would we ever actually want to experience progress if we couldn't perceive limitations or struggles? Yeah. And so... That must be a really helpful part of life, that we have that sense of, like, you know, constraint or that sense of, like, a feeling of there being, like, an evil force in the world, even though ultimately the evil force that exists in the world is our own ignorance, Mm. our own, you know, our own meeting of those boundaries and limitations within ourselves. And we inadvertently, you know, we sacrifice ourselves on those on our on the crosses of our own ideology uh, ideological yes, and this is where we're at you know right? stances mm-hmm. again and again and again and then um we experience that moment of you know resurrection after the underworld right you got to go to the underworld first man you ain't even getting resurrected yet you got to go to Hades first you got to go go talk to all of the souls there, you know, there's actually a Greek myth that associates this too. So all of this stuff is mythos that was just a conglomeration through thousands of years. Um, the Christ, um, the various other traditions. But in the Greek, there's this tradition. And I know I'm going like way off on this wild tangent. No, I just think I was like, we got to mega millions too. Yeah. But, <laughs> but go on, go on. This is like the jackpot, okay? I love it. Oh, the um, jackpot. Perfect. <laughs> So in, in the Greek myth, um, whenever a person dies, what, they, what happens is they go down um, into the underworld. Um, they're, they're brought down from the, um, the river Acheron down into the Asherusian Lake. And there, that's where all these souls are resting until they're transported back up through the river Acheron back into the world to um, be reincarnated. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever you, you go down into um, the, the lake area, all those souls there, they get to decide whether you can join them or not. Mm. And if they feel like you were just particularly um, an asshole and just <laughs> extraordinarily like rude and mean to them and that you need to be punished then they send you to Tartarus to be tortured and punished until they feel like you've suffered enough and then you can rest. So, like, there's this whole idea um, that's constructed within our own psyche that we literally are always going to suffer until we stop treating people badly. <laughs> like, that's really what the, the symbol is, is showing us is because ultimately all we're doing is punishing ourselves again and again and again, because even if we don't realize it, those interactions we have are embedded in our psyche. We're only ever experiencing ourselves, no matter what we're doing, because there's no other way for us to do it, because our brain isn't capable of truly 
being objective. Mm-hmm. I mean, our own sensations, like in our hands and and whatnot, are nervous impulses that you know go to the brain and are interpreted within ourselves. So is our vision, right? It's casting an image on the screen within our mind, our hearing vibrations in our ears that send vibrations through our entire body. So we're having an internal experience. What would make a person think that if all those other things are internal like that, that they could ever be having any external experience at all? Well, the answer is you can't. And so if you're suffering, it's because you're punishing yourself because you feel guilty for the things you've been doing. Mm. And so this whole idea of that mythos, and I'm not even sure why I'm talking about this well, right now. Well, I like what you're saying because it really comes into the Jupiter-Neptune well, yeah. type of idea. And it's like this delusion that you think, yeah, and that really does speak to it because the great delusion is thinking that you're doing something other than what I just talked about. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, the only thing that any of us are ever doing is interacting with ourselves. And we just don't know. And the great percentage of humanity doesn't know. And so if you do understand this, then you definitely shouldn't be judging the people who don't know because you didn't know at one time. And... They don't know any better. Yeah. Because if you know better, you do better. Yeah. But and if you so, don't, then you yeah, have no how could you? reference how to could go you? by. And so you have this idea of Jupiter being like, you know, the inner guru who is leading you to the light of self-realization, of realizing, oh, it's me, it's me, it's always me. 100%. Not ever. There's never a moment in which it's not me. It's always me. And I've always been bringing myself to every experience I've ever had. Big pill for people to swallow most of the time. <laughs> especially if you've encountered trauma and tragedies. Why did I experience this? Because the honest truth is it's because you're punishing yourself. You just don't realize it. Mm. Saturn represents that part of yourself that is, you know, the aspect of you punishing yourself. And Jupiter is like, oh, I'm going to, you know, enlighten myself. And so, you know, it's really like that idea of the Native American, like, two wolves thing within you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know if that's a true story, but you see it all over Facebook, where it's like this idea of whatever wolf you feed is, like, the one that's going to win the, the fight. And, you know, the truth is, like, they're the same thing. There's, there's only one wolf. There's only one wolf. That's and exactly it's you. Like, you're the wolf. <coughs> you know, you're the devil. You're the Christ. You know, it's your choice. And you have to be able to see yourself clearly enough to realize that if you don't change, then nothing is going to change. And you're going to keep on having these terrible, you know, suffering, painful experiences again and again and again because you're the Christ crucifying himself. Hmm. Well, that's a <laughs> swallow that pill, everyone. <laughs> that's just swallow a Ju- that Jupiter thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And that's totally, yes, that can totally happen. Um, and is a re- reality to think about, you know, because if we want to get in touch with ourselves, because that's we, I think what we've been touching upon a lot here is the idea of projection onto the other, especially when yeah. we're talking about political type of based uh, ideology. Um, and yes, and so I think that's going to be, I think Gem, I think Gemini season next year will be very interesting because <laughs> once the sun rolls around and the, we're going to have that Jupiter uh, Neptune square in mid uh, mid June, you oh, know, and the sun's going to be opposing. The sun's Jupiter. going to be forming a T square. With the whole thing, yeah. There, I think we're going to get a lot of insight into what we're talking about here uh, now. Then, I bet it's not going to take long. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so we'll. Yes, but something's going to happen then. Um, Oh, you know what? Okay, so I was. I thought this 
was interesting, too, because we were talking about the courts uh, back in 2007 um, was the first time uh, that the House brought a gay rights bill to the floor to vote, the Matthew Shepard Act, um, which would put uh, um, any which would put that under hate crimes because that didn't exist under uh, the definition of hate crimes before. And it passed through the House, but it didn't make it through the Senate. And it wasn't until 2009 when Obama was on office that it happened. Um, But I thought that was a very interesting aspect of Jupiter and Sag to even bring that to the floor and how far we've come since then of even talking about any type of gay rights, you know. But essentially that was like one of the first little things that began there. And so, and then here we are today and now we're full of like, PC uh, descriptions for all the different type, you know, and that's a big contention among a lot of people. Well, it's becoming, those, but it, that's also becoming an issue because it's becoming extreme, right? That exactly. So it's like, where do you, where do we like really create like some boundaries around this and say, okay, let's all just do our best to be considerate of others, but let's also not brutalize people who just inadvertently offended you because they were unaware that they were offending you. Like, it's, I think that it's really about becoming reasonable and saying, okay, what's the intention? I feel like intention is like the most important thing in life, Mm -hmm. you know, in the sense that we have to like understand the intention, you know, that exists beneath the surface here. Of course, you know, there's a saying that all, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions but really, I don't think that that's true. I think that um, the road to hell is paved with, you know, just sheer ignorance. Mm. You know, that's really the road to destruction. It's just the ignorance of everyone um, who is angry and hateful. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of angry and hateful people on both sides, right? Yes, uh, So yeah. it's like, it's not just like one or the other. It's both. And, and to each other. <laughs> and to each other. Yeah, like, right. so if you're angry and hateful, then you're no different from the person in the other camp who's angry and hateful, except you are just standing um, at a different perspective, but you're doing the same thing, so you're no different. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter if you believe that what you're doing is right, if your actions are not in alignment with the, you know, the the truth of... Um, unity and harmony and compassion and service and consideration and things like that. Those those qualities and those ideals that we all seek to embody um, doesn't matter if you believe in those things. If your actions don't align with them, then you're still a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it's important not to um, boast about how great you are um, with your you know your statements. I think that it's more important for you to actually embody those things. If we would just focus on embodying our ideals instead of talking about them, I think we'd be a lot better off. Oh, I like that's a perfect way of putting it. Really. Like, yeah, don't don't fight for it. Don't try to convert someone else to it. Be it. Be it. Right. Be it. And that's kind of been my mode lately in the world that we live in because, you know, deep down I feel very, you know, I have enough Uranian energy to be very much I'm into activism. But I'm in it in a way where I want to just embody it. I want to live my life in a way that I see that the little things that I do every day and just my way of being helps to change things. And it's not like I don't have to go out and and get on, you know, like recruit you to my side or, you know, I'm being me, leading by example, 
If you want to follow that with me or engage in it with me, so be it. If you don't, that's your choice too. But, you know, and I think that's a lot of what's going on now is everybody's trying to, no, I'm right. I'm right. Come to my side. Come to my side. I know we've been talking about this a lot, but yes, but I'm just reinforcing what you're saying. Be it. I agree with you. Like, well, it's like, you know, it's like people want me to engage with politics and I'm like, that's a, I, I feel like that's a waste of time. And I'm not interested in engaging in it because I don't feel that it's actually making any big difference in the world. It's just creating further, um, a further and greater sense of separation and divisiveness. And it's actually very counterproductive. Um, I think the people who are making the real difference in the world are people who are going into their communities and volunteering, the people who are holding the door for people um, when they stop at the store. Um, people who are smiling at others, people who are friendly on the road, mm-hmm. that whenever, you, oh, you see someone's trying to get in, you don't speed up, you slow down a little bit and let them in. You know, that, that's what's changing the world, not voting. You know, that there's nothing wrong with voting, yeah, obviously. people vote. I, <laughs> like, I will um, say, everybody vote, whatever it is. You vote whatever you want. But. Well, I think that's important to, um, you know, stand by your truth. I just think that... Um, if you're going to have an ideological stance, like I was saying, then at least do us all the favor of actually acting it out on a daily basis rather than thinking that you're doing it, you know, vicariously through voting. Or posting a mem every day, stating your... (laughs) it's just not the same. It's not the same thing. Um, And, you know, voting isn't some sort of... Um, you know, placeholder for actually doing something to make a difference in the world personally. Yeah, it's not a one-stop shop. You vote. I did it. Oh, I took. It's a daily experience where, you know, you live your own truth. I think you should vote if you want to. Well, yeah, everyone should do things that they want to, but at the same time, I don't want to hear anybody complaining if you don't don't vote or, like, put your opinion out there. Because you got to be, you got to take part in it. Like, that's that's my own view on it. You can you can say otherwise, but I, I think... I, I think that anyone can do whatever they want. Yeah. And there's no, like, um, constraints on anyone's ability to express themselves just because of the choices they make. I don't think that it makes a difference, personally. But Melissa and I are not going to uh, get into an argument about politics or voting <laughs> on, on the podcast. Because, well, especially if this is the week that uh, Right, wouldn't we that be vote? funny if we had an ideological yeah. battle right here, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, no, I'm right, you're wrong. No, I, I, like, I try to look at this as inclusive. It's neither right nor wrong. It just simply is, that's your truth, this is my truth, whatever, let's move on. doesn't matter. But see, we're great friends, and we can do that. Wow, it's great, it's wonderful. Well, and this is an example of, like, what... Essentially, uh, we're probably going to see over the next year is these type of moments where we have a hiccup. What? What do you mean? Don't vote. But we're, we don't have to take it farther. I we just, can just be like, okay, like, that's fine. That's what you think. My standards are just really high. And so it pains me to like go vote because I have really high standards. And it's like, oh, wait, I have to choose between rotten cabbage and, um, you know, underripe uh, persimmons. Um, I'm good. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. And so um, for me, it's just that I have very high standards for this idea of uh, leadership. And so it's like, oh, what do you want me to do here? And so what I'm saying as a you know counter to that is like, oh, well, if we just collectively work to um, shift ourselves into a higher state of being, 
then we don't have to even worry about some crappy person being, you know, the candidate for this election. It'll just be quality, solid people who are, you know, taking charge. And I'm idealizing this. Oh, yeah. I love just looking at them. I know. "Mm -hmm." But still, like, I mean, hey, you need people like me to say, hey, look, there's the ideal. Let's go for it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, that's... We, and I think that's going to be a lot of this transit, too, because, yeah, we want to see those ideals. But, uh, you know, speaking as Saturn and Virgo, uh, <laughs> we got to stay in somewhat in reality here. Now, the last thing I will say before we get on to some like ways to embrace the energy, because I just wanted to get this last thing in there was uh, in 2007. And there's so a lot of things happened that year. Um that's when they had the first DARPA challenge, uh, which spurred the whole development of driverless cars. And so now we're coming along to uh, now it's arriving at, you know, like yeah, we're almost I mean, there. This is really it's, happening. This is really happening. Yeah. So we probably see that this year. Yeah. And so I just I thought that was pretty interesting as well. So here we are. We're having Jupiter returns in many ways God. for some of these issues that we're talking about. I wonder if it's going to be like more of these scooters everywhere. Like, because I'm done with that. Oh, yeah. Like, we're talking about like, and like there's like these ones called bird, right? It's like yeah. idea of flying free. Oh, my God. Or maybe it's like giving everyone the finger. Like it's the bird. Well, it's giving all the blind people the finger when they try to walk on the sidewalk yeah. and they trip over the freaking scooter yeah, that someone's like oh my i own like, everything yeah so that, uh, that's some sort of transportation that i that i'm i'll be happy whenever we <laughs> don't necessarily have those oh man well we can go on forever but let's let's wrap it up with some ways to kind of embrace the switch in energy i know you had something to share with ryan butler has oh, this yeah, thing no, right no. i was like i was just wanting to bring up that ryan butler at uh, medieval uh astrologyguide.com has these really awesome astrological magic kits and I actually have the one from from Jupiter, like Mm -hmm. the Jupiter one and it was just phenomenal and we were talking about, Mel and I were going to talk about different ways that we could uh, maybe like work with the energy of Jupiter. I feel like we or, have in many ways. Or, like in- <laughs> uh, shift shift yeah. an energy or align with an energy and I really found this to be an incredible offering and it was just like $45, I think, on um, on his site. He has these little uh, different kits for the different planets. And so if you were going through your Saturn return, you might want to like um, either work with Saturn or amp up your Jupiter and Venus mm-hmm. um, or the sun, right, to counteract Saturn, um, things like that. But I just really wanted to give Ryan a shout out because I meant to write him a review that I never wrote him. <laughs> and so Here it is. I feel like this is a... Uh, a cool way of, you know, just speaking to how awesome and excellent his work is. And it's the highest quality stuff you can imagine. He makes the candles. He makes the um, the oils and the the sprays and stuff. I mean, it's just incredible. And it, like, came with a mirror with, like, the sigil of Jupiter. Oh, and it was how just, like, cool. And amethyst. I mean, it was just, like, the most incredible. Oh, the incense smells better than anything on Earth. It's, like, the most heavenly, beautiful incense ever. Mm. And, like, Ryan just makes all this stuff incredible i love it like that's so beautiful and incredible and so if i could like give anyone like kudos on having something like this it would be him and so i think everyone should check out his uh work at medieval uh medieval astrology guide.com and his name is ryan butler it's r-y-h-a-n-b-u-t-l-e-r Yes, and I'll have that on my blog so that if you don't get it in this particular moment, just come on over and there'll be a link uh, straight to the Jupiter kit that we're talking about. 
because I think that sounds pretty cool. I might have oh, to get so one for cool. myself. Um, all right. Well, we have definitely chatted out some Jupiter. We could be here for days if we really wanted to, uh, because the topic is rich, uh, and James and I can literally go on forever. <laughs> but yes. um, we have our own Jupiter <laughs> synergy. Um, but before we get going here, uh, I know, James, where can they find you? You're, you got just some social media stuff going on. And the only reason I say this is because he just writes things that are so worth your time to read. And he's giving me a funny look right now, but that's okay. So where can people find the things that you write? Well, um, my website's not up right now because, honestly, I'm just take, kind of taking a little bit of break from everything. But um, you can find me on Facebook. My name is uh, James David Wade. Um, if you're really curious about uh, the things that I have to share, um, I do offer some private sessions with people. Um, it's just something that I'm taking some personal time to uh, reflect right now, and so I haven't been doing as much of that lately. Um, but if you are interested, I am available to do that. If you're serious about uh, experiencing a shift in your perspective uh, or having some you know, changes energetically in your life, then you can get in touch with me on Facebook. But uh, that's pretty much all I have right now for contact uh, as I'm reconsidering my uh, website and stuff. So, mm. Which is so perfect as Jupiter <laughs> is moving into your first house, you that's know, right. like this yeah. is a perfect time to do it. So, um, yes. But, uh, yeah, I highly recommend just reading some of the words he writes because it will blow your mind. Um, <laughs> I will say that. Now, all right. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you Melissa. And, and also, just before we get off, like I just want to say thank you for having me back. Oh, yes. And um, I would say that Mel is probably, like, you know, definitely, not probably, definitely one of my greatest friends and uh, one of the wisest, uh, most incredible astrologers I could ever have had the pleasure to meet when I moved here to San Diego. And so I'm so incredibly grateful and thankful for, for Mel and everything that she's been to me while I've been here. It's really made all the difference in the world. And um, I really want everyone who listens to this to know how much you've made an impact on my life mm. and contributed to my uh, sense of peace and well-being. So thank you. Oh, thank you. The feeling is mutual. I think we, we, uh, we got lucky when we found each other. It's very Jupiter. <laughs> We got lucky when we found each other. Yeah. People even think that we're related because we like look yeah. like each other. Yeah. It's funny. So, oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you back here. And I hope yeah. to have you again because uh, I think that together we provide some excellent content um, and other things, of course. All right. Well, well, where can people find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles, and I have things going on there. Uh, not so much lately. I'm taking this Venus retrograde as, like, uh, some time for myself. So if you don't see me as active right now, just know that taking a little breather. Um, and that's okay. Yes, it's just in the It's just, it's just in, in the, the air right, right now, now right? and that's all right. Um, and if you want to check out my Patreon and think about uh, sending some monetary support to this podcast, if you like what you hear, uh, you can do that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And I offer different tiers, anywhere from $1 to $6 a month with uh, different offerings. Um, and if you like what you heard here today, you know, spread the good word, share it with a friend, you know, send a link over to, you know, someone who might need to know a little bit more about Jupiter and Sagittarius. Um, and if you also want to leave me a nice review on iTunes so that other people can organically see me better, um, I would greatly appreciate that too. So, all right. Well, thank you again, James. 
Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. And thank you for listening. Uh, And as always, may the stars be with you. 